are at the bottom of 53B. The math lesson today. Math lesson today, exactly. So, yeah. so the Gemara yesterday that we were doing, the Gemara told us the Machlekes are behut and the Chachamim. The Machlekes was, are we supposed to perceive that Tia and then Trua, right, the longer and then the, the staccato blast is really one long blast, so to speak, and it's just one long way of making the noise and just has these two different types of noises. In other words, it would not be then permitted to have too much of a space in between the, the sounds, between the first long one and then the staccato set of blasts. Or are we to perceive like the Chachamim that indeed they're actually separate blasts. And then of course it would be permitted to have a little bit of space in between, a little bit of an interval. So right on the bottom of the page, the Gemara asked, who statement is it? That which Rev Kahana said that there is nothing between Ain Bain There's nothing in between the Tia and the Trua and Loiklum, and there's nothing. Come on, whose opinion is this? Must be like Rabbi Yehuda. Because Rabbi Yehuda was the one who said that you shouldn't have anything in between. If all Rav Kahana wanted to say is that this is the halacha of Rav Yehuda, well, obviously that's what Yehuda said. That's what Yehuda said. You can't have anything in between. They're all one, one uh, blowing. It must be really meant like the Chachamim. Gemara says, no, it's not so obvious that he, that he meant like Rav Yehuda. Why? I'm turning the page now. What might I have to say? You could even say that he held like the Chachamim. And he's coming to exclude the, the opinion, the position of Rav Yehuda. The Amarkas, he says, Shama says, if you hear the nine Tekiyas at nine different hours during the day, in other words, they are completely separated, you're still Yetzah. That you will not be Yetzah if you hear them separated by that much time. So the Gemara now says, right on the uh, three lines down on 54a, maybe indeed that should be the Halacha, that even if you heard them far apart, that you are still Yetzah, you still fulfill your Mitzvah. Imkain, Maiva Leiklum. Well, if so, then what? Why did Rav Kahana state and below klum and it is nothing? Clearly, the reason why he said below klum and it is nothing is to teach you that there is no that it, it has to be zero space in between, and therefore, um, like Rav Yehuda. Okay, now we're continuing to analyze the mission, and the Mishnah was going through the number of tikkios, the number of uh, shofar blowing that happened depending on which day of the year we're up to. So four lines down, we quote the Mishnah at the top of fifty-four a. If Friday afternoon falls out in the middle of Yom Tov, it does not say that the blowing of the trumpet, the blowing on the tenth step, that is. Who is the author of our Mishnah? It is the opinion of Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov. What does Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov hold? The Tanya. We learned in a rice. You should blow 10, I'm sorry, three blasts on the 10th step of as you're walking up to 15 steps. Three blowings right when you're by the Mizbeach itself, not just on the 10th, 10th step on the way up to the Mizbeach, but standing right by the altar. The one who says that you blow the three blowings are on the 10th step on the way up to the Mizbeach. He does not say that you blow three on the Mizbeach. The one who says you blow three on top of the Mizbeach, or next to the Mizbeach, does not say that you should blow three on the 10th step. So it's one or the other. It's a binary choice. My time at Rebbe Lezer ben What's the reason uh, for Rebbe Lezer ben Since somebody already blew the, the sounding of the trumpet for the opening of the gates, higher up, right? So why would you need to blow again when you got to the 10th step? It's not an actual gate. Well, then it must be that the next blowing that you do is actually done right by the Mizbech itself, right by the altar itself. 
Rabbanan Savi, the Chacham, however, hold. Since you're going to blow for the at the time of the drawing of the water, right? Why would you need to also blow when you're by the mizbeach, by the altar, where you might hypothetically get confused and think that the purpose of this extra blowing is to signify that we're doing the, the ceremony that we do with the aravos, the willow branches, that we stick them up on the side of the mizbeach, on the side of the altar. So why would you do it again? So therefore, it's preferable that you should actually blow when you get to the 10th step. Came from, Dreim, from the south. He brought a, a brisa with him in his hand. And what does this brisa say? And the sons of Aaron, the Kehanim, the priests, they will blow on the trumpets, right? Why doesn't he need to say they will blow on it? Obviously, that's what it's talking about. It already says in the Pasuk that you will blow with the trumpets over your Ola offerings, the, the burnt offerings, the elevation offerings. And also over and over the sacrifices of your shlamim, of your peace offering. So why does it need to say explicitly that they will blow? Why is it not sufficient to say initially blow and then to say again actively that they will blow? Why is that necessary? I call Teach you that the amount of times you blow the trumpet is based on the number of the additional offerings that are brought. Hutanila, taught this by And he also said, he also explained what the Raisa means. Leimar to tell you that they blow the shayfar additional times for each and every musaf offering, right? Depending on the on the day. If it's Shabbos and Yamtif, then you need to blow nine blasts for the musaf offering for the additional offering of Shabbos and nine blasts for the additional offering of um, of Yamtif. And we'll see that sometimes you might have a total of twenty-seven additional blowings, right, for Shabbos, which is Rosh Hashanah, which is also Rosh Hashanah. Erev Shabbos Chai. You learned in the Mishnah if the Friday is the the in middle of the of the Yom Mem Ches, there's a total of 48 blasts. The Im Isa. But if it is so, as Rabbi Acher Bachanina said, this is Shabbat Shabbat Sechachag, Mishkachas Lachamishin Machad. Why is it that he says the maximum amount is 48? The maximum amount should actually be it should be 51. Because if you have Shabbos of Yom right, then you have the two additional uh, Musaf offerings, the additional offerings. Each one requires 18. So then you have, each one requires nine. Then what you have is a total of nine plus, plus, um, what is it again? You have nine plus, it's an extra nine. So that's three more than, than, uh, than what it would have been on a regular Friday afternoon, right? Because only three more, because you also have to take out the six for the additional three blasts that are blown at the beginning of Shabbos and at the end of Shabbos. So you end up with only a total of three more blasts in the Shabbos Chalamite that is also, um, that is also yamtiv, right? So the, the situation over there is you're going to end up with two musaf offerings, one musaf offering for Cholamite, right? One additional offering for Cholamite, the intermediate days, and one additional offering for Shabbos. That should be 18 total. And since it's already sukkah, you should end up with 51. But so we're going to see why do you end up with 51? Because you do not blow the trumpet when you open up the gates on Shabbos. So then there's three fewer than there would have been on a Friday afternoon. You end up with 48 once again. Who is the person who is not chash the kimcha, who is not concerned about the quality of the flour that he grinds out? This is a, it's a trenchant remark, right? It is, he's saying basically, you don't really care about the results of your grinding, which means you're not doing a good job, essentially. It's calling him out, you're not giving a good answer. Chada, first of all, it says every single day, including Shabbos. Now, if on Shabbos, then, then you don't blow any, you don't blow at all. For the opening of the gates, then it would be possible to go fewer than the minimum that the Mishnah had mentioned. 
and furthermore, even if there were in Shabbos and on Shabbos, and Arab Shabbos, the same number of 48 blasts, then it should have taught us explicitly that on Shabbos, which is also Yom Tov, there's 48 blasts in total. The Shema Mina Tartik is able to see from that idea two different points. Shema Mina the Rebelezer Ben Yaakov. You'd be able to understand that which that which Rebelezer Ben Yaakov says that the blowing of the trumpets was by the Mizbeach and not by the tenth step. The Shema Mina the Rebacha Rachanina. You could also understand that which Rebacha Rachanina taught that you blow the trumpet for each additional offering. You blow the trumpet another nine times. Ella Marava Levisha ain't taken the Mila Mayim Shabbos the Butzri Tuva. So rather, you don't blow for the for the gathering of the water on Shabbos, and therefore you end up being far fewer on your total number. Well, if according to Racha, it says that each Tamad offering, I'm sorry, each Musaf offering, you end up having to bring another nine blasts, you blow a nine blast. So then Rosh Hashanah, which also blows on Shabbos, that's also should be an example of an extra 48 blast total. Because there's there's three additional offerings. What are three additional offerings? Most of the Rosh Chodesh, the, the supplementary offering, additional offering of Rosh Chodesh. I'm sorry, Rosh Hashanah. The Musaf of Rosh Chodesh, the Musaf of being the beginning of the year, Musaf of being the first of the month, and Musaf of the Shabbos, and that will be 27. Gemara says, Erev Shabbos, in the middle of the Yomtif, we needed to teach you explicitly to, to teach you the law of Rebbe Lezer Yaakov, that you don't blow any more blasts on the 10th of that. One second. Did he say the, the, this halacha is only coming to teach you for a very specific time and not for other times? He, he didn't. He wasn't. Um, he wasn't specific. He wasn't specific about it. How do you know that he's only coming to teach that law? Tana v'shayer. You have to say that the Tana left out some things and taught other things. This is a halacha that we say sometimes. If you can prove to me that there is a, a certain fire, a surefire case that the Tana decided not to list, even though he was giving a list, a numerical list of what is and what isn't, let's say. And he left out something. Well, if you could prove to me that he left out something, then I could also accept the possibility that the additional thing that you just mentioned was also left out. So, but the only time we say that is if you could prove to me that something else was left out. What did he omit from the case that then you would be reasonable to assume that he left out something else too? My Shire, what did he leave out? The High Shire, this, what, what did he leave out that you could then assume that he left this out too? Shire Erev Pesach. He left out the case of blowing on Erev Pesach. So what would happen in Erev Pesach, we learned from Sach, like this, that when they were bringing the carbon Pesach, the maximum amount of people that would have to bring the carbon Pesach was three groups of people. And each group would be reading the halal three times. And when they read the halal three times, each time they read the halal, they may blow three blasts. So that would be a total of 27 blasts. So if you add it to the 21 blasts that are typically blown every single day minimum, so you end up with 48. That's left out in our Mishnah. Since that was left out in our Mishnah, so therefore, we can also assume that other things are left out too. Turning the page now to Nun Dalad Amin Beis, 54b. If you're going to tell me that there already was an omission from the list of our cases on our Mishnah, because the Mishnah case tells you 48, it does not mention the 48 on Erev Pesach. That's not a classic case of an omission. The Hamani, whose opinion is this? The opinion of Yehuda. The Amar who says, said only in the case of the first two groups was there actually necessary to read the halal three times. But in the case of the third group, it was never necessary to read the halal three times. So therefore, you would not end up with 27. So you're not going to end up with 48 again. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? You've already said that our Mishnah is not like Rabbi Yehuda. Because our Mishnah, we mentioned earlier in yesterday's half, that Mishnah does not, does not follow the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. So why would you want to say that the Mishnah does not follow the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda? But in this element, it does. That's not so much fun. We never like to do that. 
Maybe you have an independent uh, Tana. He agrees with some laws of Rabbi Huda. He disagrees with other laws of Rabbi Huda. Ella, my Shire, the high Shire. So what is it that he omitted that you would then assume that he omitted something else? Shire, Erev Pesach, Shechali, Erev Shabbos. He left out the case of Erev Pesach, the Erev Pesach that fell out on Friday afternoon. Afik Shis, Fa'il Shis. Because you take out six blasts from the third group. Because you hold like Rabbi Huda, then you take out six blasts. Rabbi Huda said that they never ended up finishing Halal. The third group only said halal once, but not three times. And then, but then you bring in another six. What are the other six? The three that tell you it's time to stop doing work, and the three that tell you it's mamish about to be Shabbos right now. We go to Mishnah, you never add more than 48. You never go more than 48 blacks. And is this so? Sometimes your Friday afternoon falls out on Shabbos. I'm sorry, Friday afternoon, Arab Pesach that falls out on Shabbos. There should be 51 blasts. And if it's like the Chachamim, then it will end up being 57, right? Kikutani, um, when did our Mishnah teach this halacha? The, that, that you never go more than 48. Say that every single year, you never, you never, there is a time during the year when you end up with 48 blasts. The case of an heir of Pesach that fell out on Shabbos, right? We're an Arab Shabbos that happens rarely that we did not include in our Mishnah. But it's true. Technically, there is a time that every once in a while we'll end up with more than 48 blasts on a specific day in the year. One second. When we talk about the Arab Shabbos that uh, falls out on actually in the middle of Yom Tif, is that true that that happens every year? That also doesn't happen every year. There are times when you don't have an Arab Shabbos that actually is in the middle of Cholomite. Maybe the Arab Shabbos is only on Cholomite, on, on Yom Tif itself, right? Maybe not a Cholomite. what's the case? Perhaps the first day of Sukkot is actually going to be Friday. And then like that, like this. If the first day of Sukkot is actually Friday, then you don't do the Milei Hamayim, you don't do the, the drawing of the water on the first day of Yom Tif if it's actually Shabbos. And then the next Shabbos is already Shmini Atzeres, but you don't do Milei Hamayim on the eighth day of Sukkot. You don't do Milei Hamayim at all. So in that scenario, you don't end up having a situation where it's actually Shabbos, and yet you still have a, um, uh, only Shabbos in the middle of the Chag, but you end up with 48, but not Shabbos on the first day. When the first day of Yom Tov would actually end up being Friday, the uh, first day of Yom Tov would end up being Friday also. Then the Chachamim would actually ensure that you don't end up with this situation. Why would they end up, why would they ensure this? Because they have the ability to determine that the previous month should be a Iber month, right? Any month, you could, you could say it's either a 29-day month or a 30-day month, right? It's always somewhere in between. So the Chacham have the ability to kind of play with the, put the finger on the scale and to make sure that it doesn't end up being a month in which you have a situation where you actually have um, a month in which you have a situation that the first day of Sukkot falls out on Friday. Why is this so? My time, what's the reason? Even the Ikla Yom Tavarish and Shachag Erev Shabbos, if the first day of Sukkot falls out on Erev Shabbos on a Friday, Yom Kippur Emas Have, then when would Yom Kippur fall out? Echad Shabbos. Yom Kippur falls out on the previous day, on the, I'm sorry, on the previous Sunday. This is the first day of Yom Tav is the 15th day of Tishrei, and Yom Kippur is the 10th day. Well, then, by definition, if the 15th day is Friday, then five days before that is actually Sunday. And why is that a problem? We don't want Yom Kippur to be on, be on Sunday. The reason is, parenthetically, is because if Yom Kippur falls out on Sunday, then you have a scenario where if somebody dies on Shabbos, unfortunately, then they don't get to be buried on Sunday. And then it's pushing you up too far. So therefore, Chazal were always concerned for this, and they try to ensure that Yom Kippur does not fall out on Sunday. 
We'll ensure that never happened. But is that true? We actually postponed it. But none, we learned in the Mishnah. The Chalbay of Shabbos, the fats from the Karbanas on Shabbos, they can be brought on Yom Kippur. Who am I? Amri, I would say. Hadetanya, that which was taught in a brisa. Yemekipurim shechaldi is erev Shabbos. If Yom Kippur falls out on erev Shabbos, lo yayu taken. They do not blow the trumpet to tell people that they should stop doing work because, anyways, you're not going to do work on Yom Kippur, so you don't need to blow it on Friday. But when Matzah Shabbos, lo yayim avdilin, and if Matzah Shabbos Yom Kippur falls out on Matzah Shabbos, lo yayim avdilin, they don't recite the Avdala. Yevrei Hakali, this is agreed to by both Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva. But when I came up to Eretz Yisrael, I found a Behuda, the son of Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi, the Yasuvikamar, and he was sitting there and saying, that it's the opinion of Rabbi Kiva. Now, but either way, what we're saying is like this. In this in, according to these two opinions, Yom Kippur could fall out on Sunday. So if Yom Kippur could fall out on Sunday, then we see that it's not true that they would always ensure that Yom Kippur doesn't fall out on Sunday, in which case, You'll never have the first day of Sukkot be Friday. But from these Mishnah, it seems clear that that's not true. Where it says, like Kasha, it's not a question. Our Mishnah says that there's no situation in which you have a, in which you have a uh, first day of Sukkot, which is actually Shabbos. That's according to the Chacham. We say that you do put in an extra day to ensure that you don't have Yom Kippur on Sunday. But the Brisa, which says Yom Kippur could fall out on Sunday, that's Acherim. The Brisa is actually the other opinion. The Tanya, we learned in the Brisa. The Acherim say, the others say, there's no difference between the Acheris of one year and the Acheris of the next year. Shavuos of one year and Shavuos of the next year. No difference between Rosh Hashanah and 5781, Rosh Hashanah and 5782.' It's only a four-week day difference. So that's the maximum amount of days. In other words, if one year falls out on Sunday, the maximum amount of days that's going to fall out later is going to be Thursday. But if the year was extended with an extra month, then it actually gets up to five days difference. So, so the Gemara says, Mesve. We're now challenged, just like this. Mesve. Ravacha had said earlier that you blow the you blow the chatzetzer, you blow the trumpet separately for each additional each musaf offering of the day. You blow the trumpet again. I'm sorry, nine times. If you have a Rishchidesh that falls out on Shabbos, the first day of the month falls out on Shabbos. The song of the Rishchidesh, a special song that they would sing in the, the Levine would sing, that, the, that song would override the song of Shabbos because that one is the Ivi Yesya. Now, if the Allah was like Rebacha, uh, that you blow separately for each one, Lema the Shabbos, Lema the Rishchidesh. And why don't they actually blow, why don't they actually sing each one? Sing the, the song of Shabbos and sing the song of, of Rosh Chodesh, right? My When it says it says push off. It doesn't mean to push off and completely not sing it. What it means is that you blow the one of Rosh Chodesh before you blow the one of Shabbos. Sing the song of Rosh Chodesh before you sing the song of Shabbos. But not that you don't sing the second song. So indeed, maybe we do blow separately for each one, the same way we sing both songs. But my thing right now asks, why is that we blow the song? Sorry, we sing the song of Rishchidesh before we sing the song of Shabbos. Typically, we say we have a halachic principle, very important halachic principle. We say, if you have something which is a more constant basis, something which is a more infrequent basis, the more constant one takes precedent and goes first. So the Shabbos comes once every seven days, Rishchidesh comes once every month. So why does the one for Shabbos not come first? The reason why we gave precedence to, uh, to the to Rish Chedesh is because we want people to know that the Rish Chedesh has been put into its proper place. And is it true that just for the song itself is already sufficient? 
We have a different reason. We have a different way to indicate that Rosh Chodesh is happening on this day. The Tanya we learned in Raisa. The fats left over of the daily morning offering. They are placed on the lower half of the mizbeach, lower half of the ramp of the mizbeach on its east side. But the additional offerings, the fats, they are placed on the lower half of the ramp of the mizbeach on the west side. While the ones for the Rishchidesh are actually placed underneath the rim of the Mizbeach and below. Okay, so, so therefore, what we're saying is that let's go a little further. explains to teach you that the special place where you put the Chalvei of the Rishchidesh offering, you put the fats of the Rishchidesh offering, is to tell you people should recognize that the new moon, the Rishchidesh, has been put in its proper place. Where it says and you have to say that there's two different distinguishing signs to indicate that this was the special that the Rishchidosh was placed in its proper place. Some people might see one Akira and some people might see the other Akira, and therefore we have two different indications that Rishchidosh is proper, either because the Chalvei the fats of the Rishchidosh are placed in the special place, or because they get to sing a special song of Rishchidosh prior to the special song of of Shabbos, even though typically it should not follow that pattern, Shabbos should have come first, because Shabbos is the Tadir, it is the content. Okay, take care, everyone. Be well. Good night.